Party Creepers! Nice. <laughs> Back on Patreon again. And the best thing about this is we didn't warn the freeloaders at all because I think you told them at the end of the free episode that we were going to be back. Like we oh. always do. We always lose track of it. You know what I'm saying? They know better by now. Um, they just go, sure you will. <laughs> sure yeah. you will, buddy. Sure you will. Yeah. Well, Kristen helped us out in the video version on YouTube. I think when you said that, when you were like, we'll be back next week. And then I think the words come up and it's like, actually, no, we won't. Next week's Patreon or something like that. <laughs> Psych. <laughs> But unfortunately, there's not so much you can do in post uh, with podcast in the podcast uh, realm. You know, I Mm -hmm. guess I could add like uh, a little echoey voice or pause it or something and add that stuff in there. But I had already finalized the episode by the time I figured out that we were going to be on Patreon this week. So eh, it is what it is. You know, yeah, what are you going to do? It's gone and there's nothing you can do about it. That's right. That's right. Much like Woodstock 99, man. It happened. It was crazy. And now we can talk about the the craziness that happened. I wasn't even aware of this at all. Right. I, I didn't know, know they re- I didn't know they rebooted it and it was a disaster. I was twelve years old at the time, which was almost old enough to be there and, and uh Yeah. Uh get served alcohol and get, you know, probably a concussion yeah. <laughs> and almost get trampled and everything else. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. God, Have a heat stroke. Kid. I mean, there were kids there that were young as fourteen for sure. Yeah. So, well, the the one girl that was focused in the docu series, you said she was like you said she was fourteen. Yes. At the time, and, and just and getting groped it. by a bunch of fucking creeps and everything else. I don't think she loved that part so much, but yeah, she loved well, no. the experience of being there and said right, she would do it again right. in a heartbeat. It was definitely uh, seemed like it was uh, something that if you were there, you were never going to forget. It's like after the fact, though, it's easy to say that you would do it again. But I mean, go back to the conditions that that you were living in for those three days and then you take away the fact that you're completely off your rocker like if there wasn't so much drugs and alcohol going around nobody would have been able all's to. well that ends well right i mean like there's people that have near-death experiences where they got stranded somewhere they almost died and then they were like yeah i would do it again it's like yeah but in the moment you wanted the would fuck you, out of there <laughs> would you really like if, yeah. if we were guaranteed to throw you right back in the same situation you would go back but you don't like, but the, assuming you don't know whether it's going to go as well for you like it could go poorly well, you don't but know we the know how, but you and I both know how these situations typically go, right? I, I mean, I've been, a, I've been in my share of parties, and I've been around a lot of people who experiment with different types of drugs, and everybody has a better feeling and a better view of it when it's over. They yeah. never remember what they've gone through. It's just like it's just like I've had friends that have been through the military, and they're like, "Bro, boot camp was like the best time of my life." Well, then go back. <laughs> oh right. no, no, bro, I'm never going through. Right, well, then which is it? Yeah, you know what I mean. You're over romanticizing it, which yeah. a lot hap- a lot of over romanticizing happened in Woodstock '99, because there were people talking about, like this one girl in particular. On day one, right, she's going to bed and she's like, "My mouth was full of sores." Right? She's mm-hmm. like, "My I had no saliva. My mouth was all she full had of trench sores. mouth." She had trench mouth. Yeah, and that's a good time. Like, you want trench mouth? I don't want trench anything. You want to be drinking want- <laughs> Dookie water for <laughs> three want- days no. straight? Bro, that if was their no only clean water. I'm was, out of there. Yeah, it was either Dookie water or you pay four dollars a bottle for water and wait in line all day for that. And the four dollars in 1999, so that's like Dude. twenty dollars for a bottle of water in today's t- economy. Yes, that's a fucking ripoff. Yeah, and $4. it just kept going up as the days progressed. It became very clear what this whole festival was about. It was not about peace and love. It was about no. dollars. Is what it was about Money. and profits. Money. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. It was. A, it was stock. just a cluster. F- 
it was a clusterfuck of bad ideas, man. The whole the lineup, like yeah. the audience, the the amenities. This is oh like uh, that fire festival thing. Remember the documentary about that? If if it actually happened, like this is what, yeah. the way it would have turned out. <laughs> no doubt, with the just the little bit of planning. Yeah, and then yeah, and then you bring fire into the equation on the last day. Good idea. Oh my Good God. idea. There, there's a you could you could go into the conspiracy about that and like did they want that for the controversy as they kind of mentioned at the end of it. But let's start from yeah. the beginning and get into it. Let's hear your intro. I heard you're gonna you got something pretty interesting in the works for this one. <laughs> Yeah, man, let's do it. It looks like an absolute war zone inside here. I can't tell you. There are cars turned over right by the stage. These trucks are just burning, burning. It's all about the he said, she said bullshit. We woke up one morning, there was no damn water for like half a day. It's all about the he said, she said bullshit. Everybody was warm in this boat, hot as hell. It's all about the he said, she said bullshit. Like no water, man. It was like they're trying to kill us in here. It's all about the he said, she said bullshit Just one of those days you wanna wake up And everything is fucked and everybody sucks There's a lot of frustration about $10 burritos, you know And $5 hot dogs, things like that You don't really know why, but you wanna justify Ripping someone, ripping someone's head off Say, hey, alright, the crowd's gonna calm down And then they have Originous machine come No out. human contact And if you interact, your life is on Your life is on contract Alright, you guys gotta calm down And then Metallica come out You best, best to stay away, motherfucker Cause I'm telling you now It's just one of those days You can't do that There's too many crazy people around here on drugs It's just one of those, one of those It's all about the he said, she said bullshit I was just like, wow, man It's all about the he said, she said bullshit all about the he said, she said, I came here to watch music. I didn't come here to fear for my life. It's all about the he said, she said, bullshit. I was just like, wow, man. I think you better quit let that shit slip. Or you'll be leaving here with a fat lip. Cause it's all about the he said, she said, bullshit. I think you better quit talking that shit. For this week's episode, a Patreon exclusive. You know we like to do things a little bit more differently on Patreon. Uh-huh. We like to stray away from the, the the main trail a little bit when we do Patreon because we know you guys will go with us and and uh, right. go down the woods and through the weeds a little bit. And so mm-hmm. this one isn't a you know a serial killer or even a crime per se. There, although there was many crimes committed during the course of this three day festival right. that occurred 22 years ago. We are doing. It is not without crime. (laughs) Oh, there's plenty of crime to discuss in this one. But we're discussing the three part docuseries that just got posted on Netflix called Trainwreck Woodstock 99. So we're going to discuss Woodstock 99. They tried to reboot it 30 years after the fact. 
And it was, in fact, a train wreck. And because it was clearly about profit, it was profit stock and strayed completely away from what the whole idea of the original Woodstock was, which was peace and love, anti-war, counterculture, and, you know, was a beautiful thing back in 1969. And in 1999, it was was the era of basically uh, exploiting the music industry for as much dollars as you could get. It was the boy band era. A lot of uh, young people were angry about the direction that music had gone because of this, because so many, so much money and business and bigwigs had gotten involved in the industry and just kind of ruined yes. it. And yeah, I think early days of MTV, you know, think yeah. like um, uh, VH1 and all that. And, it's like, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. What was that? What was that? Sh- what was the show that came on in the TRL. middle of the day with Carson Daly? TRL Total Request TRL, Live. Yes. Yeah, I used to watch yes. it every day after school, as many yep. did, kids of the '90s did. Yes, TRL, dude. I remember it's it's that time. If you imagine mm-hmm. that, you know, yep. just everything was publicized. Every single musical guest they had on TRL was pushing something else. It some was sponsor, kind of like social media some, before social media, right? Like you know, and it had the same vibes yeah. to it, the same kind of dirty vibes, or it was yeah, just like yeah, anything for attention type. of Nothing thing. was too cheap. Nothing yes. was too cheap for yes. TV at the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and you see a lot of this. A lot of people were upset like I said, about the direction that music had gone and it was all about money and not about the, yeah. the art anymore. And a lot of that and, anger came out during the during the course of this yes. three-day festival. And then you throw in new metal, like yeah. Limp Biscuit, Corn. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. yeah. We're going to talk it, a lot it, about Limp Biscuit <laughs> oh, and the Fred. hot dog flavored water, baby. Oh, Fred Durst. Or we That's should say so the good. shit flavored water, which is what everyone was drinking at this festival for three oh. days. Woo, they had some uh, irrigation issues. Yes, they did. They had no clean drinking water there. None. None of the water tested. They just had good. fountains of water that had shit in it just spraying all over everyone. And I was like, ah. Everybody's like brushing their teeth. With it. They're like, ah, this is great. Oh, my God, dude. Washing their hair. Ah, it's yeah. good to get clean. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. So yeah, let's start out with, you know, that we like to start with the origin of things. So let's start let's talk a yeah. little bit about the original Woodstock, the beautiful okay. thing that was the original Woodstock in 1969. I mean, granted there was some there was some ugly things. There were a lot of people that had they got, you know, there was thousands of people that were med- you know, needed medical treatment for drug overdose and things like that. Right. But very little violence. Uh, I don't re- recall any like out of control fires or, you know, buildings being torn down or anything along those lines just a lot of no. people in fields high as shit but spinning around woodstock, in dresses right and woodstock 99 they i mean not woodstock 99 but woodstock 69 they had that ability because they were in fields they were in a natural environment right not on they're, a fucking tarmac not on a tarmac <laughs> on concrete like yeah oh my god dude what's so yeah. natural and loving yeah. and earthy about a yeah. fucking tarmac 100 percent yeah, they just didn't yeah. want people getting in. Yeah, yeah, and and it was not entirely about profit. Um, in fact, they like shut down. They almost they almost shut down the original Woodstock because it was making no money because of the cost of they underestimated the cost of food and drinks for everyone. They actually cared mm. that people yeah. were well hydrated and fed. Unlike yeah. Woodstock '99, where they're like, "Fuck you! You can pay twelve dollars for a fucking corn dog, or you can starve. We don't give a shit." Yeah. Um, water yeah. is $10 a bottle and you have to wait in line or you can go drink some dookie water over there, deal with it. Meanwhile, the the whole creator area, the, the musician area, they were just treated like kings, of course, because the oh, two yeah. guys running this this festival in 99 were scumbags and we'll talk plenty about that. But 
Back yeah, to 69. So the original Woodstock in 1969 was clearly like an anti-war. It had, it, it had so much... It was young people that were pissed off about the direction of the country and the world. They were anti-war. Mm-hmm. There was flower power, counterculture. It was, and it was held on a farm in Bethel, New York, near Woodstock, yeah. a town of Woodstock, which is where it's got its name from. Um, there was 400,000 people in attendance at the, the original Woodstock, which actually dwarfs the Woodstock in 99, even though our total population had grown so much in 30 years. It's, it's crazy and to that, think how big the original one was. But that was because there was I nothing know. to do in 69. That's true. Of course That's you were going to go. And that speaks volumes, though, to so many excuses that the promoters of Woodstock 99 put up. They're like, oh, it's 200,000 people. Like, what do you expect? You're going to have some bad apples. Well, it's like Woodstock 69 had double this. Big. Yeah. But, you know, culture was different. <clears throat> Music was different. Your lineup of artists was very, very different. Yeah. I think that is one of the biggest mistakes they made in 99. Yeah. Which we'll talk plenty about that. But, man, the lineup of artists. What did you expect? Yeah. Clearly, like, this was all about money. Uh, it was a money-making endeavor for the you know, for the uh, creators of this reboot in 99. Because you can, look at, you can just look at the list of artists. And all they did was pick the biggest artist at the time, which many of which were like you said new metal bands like corn and yeah. limp biscuit and they completely go against the whole concept of what the original woodstock was you know they they're they're angry bands that are screaming about violence and things like that and yep. fuck the system and all that i guess there was a there was a counterculture vibe to limp biscuit in a sense just in a different way but they were very fuck the music industry and fucking sync and all that stuff which i guess you could look at it like it was yeah. counterculture and i get how they could connect those things it, but there's just so much anger in it mm-hmm. you know it's just so much anger in, yeah. in limp biscuit and so many of those i have the full list here of like yeah. people that performed it's pretty insane in 1969 no in 99 oh. okay well in 69 we had a lineup that included Jimi Hendrix, obviously, Janis Joplin, Santana, right. The Who, Grateful Dead. A lot of, you know, like you said, the, the lineup was very different vibes. The, these bands yes. were, much of their music was about uh, inclusivity and, you know, love and a much different vibe, much less angry. Yeah. The art of music, you know. It's pretty crazy. Like, I'm looking at this list of acts for 99, and it's kind of crazy that they only showed so many. Mm-hmm. They only showed uh, the ones that they did. You didn't even because, like, see much of Metallica, right? Which is one of the biggest bands in the Metallica world and has was been there. for 30 years. Dude, Godsmack was there. Godsmack yeah. was huge. Creed? In the early 2000s. Which is a, it's a weird one, right? Singing about God up there in front of all these angry fucking kids. No, no, no. Godsmack's not a Christian band. No, Creed. Creed. Oh, Creed. Creed was, Creed was yeah, at Creed Woodstock was 99. And it's, with arms wide open, <laughs> burn this building down. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they needed more Creed and less, right. less freaking Metallica. What's funny is they had, they, they was such an ugly mix though. Like, like they had, you had like Limp Bizkit go on and then Jewel coming on. You know, it's just like, what the fuck Yeah, the combination was too mixed up. Yeah. And you had Rage Against the Machine. Rage Against the Machine was there too. Yeah. I'd like to see. Oh, Dave Matthews was there. Like it's see just what I'm so saying. Mixed, then you had yeah. James Brown and Willie Nelson mixed in too. It's they like, just uh, took the biggest uh, artists that they could possibly book, and they didn't think about anything else. All the ancillary effects of that, you know. Dude, ICP was there. Oh my god! Insane Did you know Posse. That? All the Juggalos were there. Yes, that was ICP was there. 
because you know what that, that those those fans of that band they just don't have any tolerance for other bands or other like fans of bands you know what i mean it's like yeah like, it's like, it's juggalos or die like fuck all you yeah <laughs> they it, icp demands a lot of commitment from their fans apparently mm-hmm. yeah it's like i don't know their fans and then their fans turn around and they feel like icp is like very underappreciated they're like you don't understand it bro you don't understand where they're coming from like those are just analogies they don't really mean kill babies like it's just (laughs) i'm like i don't know man i don't think everyone's interpreting it that way Mm -hmm. i don't know it was it was just shock music you know there was a lot of shock culture in music at the time you know now that i think about it though i I think they could have made this whole thing work, even with the lineup that they had, had they just provided the proper amenities. And that was the that was the one thing yep. that the the older woman who had been <clears throat> who had been an organizer at the original Woodstock, who had provided food and stuff for the original Woodstock, that was a part of yep. uh, prepping this event in '99 as well. That was she knew right away when she saw all the trash everywhere. It was like if you don't, there was a quote from a security officer. I have it written down here, who was a part of this docu series, and um, he's where was it? Yeah, he's just talking about having everything there. Yeah, I agree. I agree. He basically I mean, said, "If the venue, if the venue shows that they don't care, then why should you care as an yes. attendee?" You know. Yeah. If you feel like you're not you're not cared about, your health, your sanitation is not cared about. Yeah. Then yeah, they, they're gonna lose shit. Especially if you're getting more hungry, you're getting yep. you're getting thirsty, you're getting hot. It's hot as fuck out there on that tarmac. Like you said, mm-hmm. it was a, basically a military base. Yeah, so let's go through that whole thing. We we kind of touched on the original Woodstock, what it was. Mostly a beautiful thing. Obviously, a lot of, there was a lot of people that got too, too messed up on drugs, which is gonna happen. But as long a lot as you less have the proper, cameras there too, though. Yes. We had, yeah. You know, I mean, but dude, there's plenty of footage of of like fields with people, like thousands and thousands of people, and the uh, the, sure. the amount of trash and litter was a, a hundredth less than what we see it was basically a war zone at Woodstock '99. Mm-hmm. So in 1999, uh, you know, one of the one of the original kind of founder guy from uh, Woodstock '69, Michael Lang, uh, decided. Well, first we can't skip over '94, which was also a train wreck. They tried to reboot Woodstock in '94. It wasn't. It was kind of short lived. The rain washed mm-hmm. everything out, turned everything to muck, and it was you know basically over before it began. And- and it wasn't secure, so people were like cutting the fence, mm-hmm. getting in. Half of the attendees in '94 were there for free, so they obviously weren't planned for. So they didn't have the right amenities for the people then either. They didn't have enough food. They didn't have enough water. They didn't have enough restrooms. So you know, '94 was a clusterfuck too. But they thought it was because well, so many people showed up that we didn't plan for. So in '99, they decided. And and it's just my opinion. In '99, they decided the only thing will change is that we won't we'll make bigger walls around the outside and we'll just leave yes, everything else. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> they, their their biggest concern was like we can't have anyone experiencing this for free. Exactly. We've got to milk we every can't. penny out of these motherfuckers. Exactly. And yep. so that is why they had it. Like I I was talking to my wife while we were watching it, and I was like, they would have had this shit at an empty prison if they had one. Mm-hmm. Like, don't play. Oh, Y'all no did not doubt. give a fuck about the environment. You just wanted a place that was so secure that people couldn't get in without yep. paying. Yep. Yep. And that, I mean, yeah. the people that were attending knew that too. I mean, you show up and you got these mm-hmm. massive walls. On the outside, I'm sure they weren't painted, uh, what do they call it? The flower wall or the peace wall? Yeah. You, to kind of like soften the blow of having these massive walls around the outside of the uh, venue. They, they painted yeah. them with all kinds of murals with peace signs and shit like that. 
um, yeah. while simultaneously booking corn and Limp biscuit and everything else. <laughs> <Metallica> <laughs> the of the dichotomy of that is just against hilarious. The machine. Yeah. 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 It just doesn't add up. Yeah. It doesn't add up at all. So Michael Lang, uh, you know, getting a bit older at this point, having been a part of uh, organizing the original Woodstock in, uh, in, in business with a guy named John Schur, who was another organizer who was just all about money. You could tell he was a businessman to the max. Even when he's getting, when he's doing his interview for the docuseries Trainwreck, he's in clearly in like a high rise business office. Like you could see like he's in a skyscraper with his business suit and a giant like conference table. He's just a business asshole. Yeah. And he took that uh, approach to Woodstock 99 and didn't give a shit about the art or the original festival and the name of Woodstock. You just utilize that name to get as many people to come as he could. That's yes. it's kind of like when uh, there's a great film and then someone sells the rights to it and some asshole comes along. And it's like, we got the name. We don't give a shit about the quality of the movie. We're just going to make a sequel that's trash. Yeah. And we know a certain number of people will see it because they love the first one. I feel like a lot of the early Marvel movies were like that. They're like, let's yeah. just, it's called the Hulk. People are going to come yeah. see it. People Who are going to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's what this was. And mm -hmm. so it was clearly from the jump all about money. The biggest thing they cared about, as we mentioned, was the walls around the outside, not allowing people to attend for free. Um, and they chose a site which was so different than the original Woodstock, which was, you know, rolling green hills of farmland. Right. Um, they chose an airbase. You know, which is so counter to the whole concept. It, like they mentioned, it's a military industrial complex at work right here. You look around, it's just these yeah. massive aircraft hangars, military equipment. They chose right. Griffiths Air Base in Rome, New York, which is like a defunct air base, which is a perfect yeah. site because it had ton tons of space and easy to secure the area around the outside. It already had buildings yep. in place, which they could set up stages at. And then they had a, a, a rave hangar for yeah. raves. Yeah. That just went on 24 hours a day. 24-hour mm -hmm. raves going on. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah, so you have these two guys organizing, and their number one uh, motivation is profits. And mm -hmm. they have a lineup that includes Kid Rock, Limp Bizkit, Corn, Bush, DMX, Metallica, Jewel, Rage Against the Machine, Creed, Godsmack, Sheryl Crow, The Offspring. Um, and they open up the festival and this is a bad omen from the jump james brown almost didn't take the stage because they had only paid him half of his money and he didn't play around with that he's a guy who yeah. wanted upfront payment for his shows and they refused to do it because john sure was trying to rip him off the businessman mm -hmm. and he yep. basically called his bluff and had him backstage and uh james brown's uh manager is saying he's not going on stage until you pay him the rest of his money and he's basically called his bluff and said all right well we already have two hundred and fifty thousand people here so if he doesn't go yeah. on he doesn't go on and yeah. james brown ultimately went on without you know his full payment and I, i'm pretty sure john sure never paid him the rest i hope that if that's the case that james brown sued the fuck out of him and got even more i hope so but also like i mean john sure as much as I hate this dude after this documentary, he did make a great point. He's like, James Brown noticed that the time he noticed the event and he the knew gravity this was going to be, situation. yes, he knew this was going to be historical mm -hmm. either way. And John Schur and Michael Lang, even though they'll never admit it, they felt the same way. They were like, we don't care if this is a train wreck because either way it's historical, it's yeah. history and it's going to make a lot of money regardless Mm -hmm. regardless so they didn't care when they saw a quarter million people there they're like this is this is done we're done 
We're going to succeed. That being now. said, I can only imagine the amount of losses they had, though, afterwards. I wonder what their ultimate profit margin was when, it, and when you consider the many years of litigation that must have taken place following lawsuits. this, with the amount of yeah, with the amount of young girls who were raped, taken advantage yeah. of, with the amount of people that were injured because of their poor planning, their lack of security. Yeah. Just overall not caring and the amount of people who uh, had heat strokes, the amount of people who probably, you know, died just because there was not enough water. There was not there was such poor amenities provided. No shade, no right. shade. Like, no how do you shade, not have like man. big shades everywhere? Like people are fucking people hiding like, underneath signs and shit. Yeah, dude. It looked like a homeless. It looked like freaking naked city in Vegas. Like people were yeah. tearing up cardboard boxes and building structures out of them to lay mm -hmm. under. Like it yeah. was insane, dude. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, what so. would you do? You couldn't get out of the sun. There That's was what I'm saying. I can only imagine the, the amount of lawsuits that followed this whole thing. It's like, what are you going to do? Go sit in a porta potty and fucking breathe in human feces, and it's probably even hotter in there. You know no, how porta potties are in the, you're not in the sitting sun. in there. Do you see like the two inches of fucking muck uh, at the bottom of those things? And <laughs> bro, I don't, I don't understand how somebody can go into a porta john and it's overflowing and be like, eh, I'm just going to use it anyway. Right. No way. I, I just. No I'm way, bro. A, I'll go. I'm I'll go piss or shit or in the middle of a field. Yeah. Before I do that. Hundred percent. I'm just like, uh, but but apparently they did not let it deter them. But of course, most of the people there were highly intoxicated. They probably didn't even notice. Who knows? Well, at one point they broke a, a, a water pipe and there was water flowing all around the porta potties and it was quote unquote mud and everyone that knew anything was cle like clearly they were like diving and and sliding around in shit for fun. <sighs> God. <laughs> That'll build up your immune yeah. system. COVID stood no chance with anybody that attended this thing. Right. How many people were sliding around going like, this is just like 94. It's right. Like, nah, actually 94 actually was mud. It was real mud. This, yeah. yeah. This this is not so much mud. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're sliding around in fertilizer, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. shit. So yeah, James Brown opened up the uh, day one Friday of the festival mm -hmm. was... I think if you're going to go to any day, it would just that was the day to go. It just got progressively worse from there. Day one went, there was some bumps, but it was fairly smooth. Yeah. Um, but by day two, it, everybody partied so hard day one. They had beer gardens, quote unquote, basically where just oh, everyone was doing beer bongs. And it was a bunch of frat boys, dude. Like it it was like, not, what, 99% white dudes at this thing, it seemed like. Yeah. You know what? But it was <laughs> I probably I saw a brown person the entire series. <laughs> No, that wasn't working security. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but it, I think it's because of the pricing, honestly. It's the pricing <clears throat> that that really limited the people that could come. That's why you had like all these college frat boys showing up because, mm -hmm. you know, they're the ones that could afford it. You know? Seriously, it's what it seemed like. Yeah, and also the lineup. Bullshit. It was, you know, the lineup And was, the lineup. Yeah. Yeah, you have to you have to understand. Now you can look at the full lineup. There were a shit ton of different bands there. Like I say, the Roots were there from Jimmy Fallon's show. The Roots. No shit. Yes, George Clinton and the P Funk All Stars were there. So there was other types of Sugar Daddy was there. Like there's a lot of people there that were, you know, that were. Wyclef Jean was there. Wyclef, yeah, but he went nuts. Yeah, he was fucking telling he them to nuts, throw bottles bro. at him and shit. I was he like, was like right. trying to play the national anthem on guitar, and it sounded like shit. He was doing and the Hendrix he just, thing. Remember, he was trying to emulate Hendrix, which you just don't do that because it's you can't. Don't do it's like, that. That's like I'm going to emulate you, Michael Jordan. Like you're probably just going to look like a shitty version of him. Is what you're going to do, especially if you can't play. Like yeah. if it's like John Mayer or somebody. Yeah, yeah. let's hear let's hear Jimi Hendrix rendition of the national anthem. But. Wycliffe Jean? Nah, bro. Like, you, 
That's like when Lil Wayne took that guitar to that one concert and was like, yeah. you know, he's just playing like random shit because he just yeah. thinks it will fit in. It's like, no, man. I know they make it look easy, but it's not It's not that easy. <laughs> right. Stay in your lane. Yeah. You're, a, you're a front yeah, man. Stay just in your just lane. do what you just do. Go up there. Yeah, do your shit, man. Your shit yeah. is fine. We have to talk about the pay-per-view aspect of this, which just made the whole thing even oh, crazier. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, so... Was it MTV that did the pay-per-view? Was it MTV? Yes. The, they were running this pay-per-view thing, and it was very yes. much... You know what it reminded me of was Spring Break. Remember how big Spring Break was on MTV back in the day? And yeah. it was basically like the original Jerry Springer show, like or it was along... I guess it was the same era. There was probably si- running simultaneously. On one channel, you had yeah. Jerry Springer with uh, little people going at it with uh, sex workers fighting each other and shit. And then on right, the other right. channel, you had Spring Break, just girls showing their tits and asses shaking on the television. Yeah, uh, that that's was, pretty much what this was. Yeah, that's what yeah. they were trying to make it as extreme as possible. And you were paying $65 for the full three days to watch this on television if you couldn't make it. And the yeah. feed for pay-per-view was just all the most ex- explicit aspects of this thing, which there was plenty of it to go around. I mean, they didn't have to look far. There was naked people no. everywhere all over Woodstock 99, people getting uh, body paint done and uh, yeah. people did basically having sex out in the open um, yeah, drugs being done insane. out in the open. Yeah, just anywhere you looked, there was something, and they were focusing on all of that. They were focusing on what, what's the most extreme shit we can get people to do. And then what happens when you put cameras in front of people? They're gonna they're show gonna out. Perform. They're gonna perform. They're going to perform. It's like it's just natural. the The more you're on camera, you feel that pressure. You yeah. feel that that moment, and you yeah. feel like you you need to do something. It was the the, the 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 frat boy that was it was a prime example of that where he's like I told you I'd get on fucking TV and start smashing his head on something. Oh my it's god! Like, yeah, he starts <laughs> smashing his head on like this wooden board or something. Yeah, like, Jesus Christ! Yeah, anything for attention, right? This might be your last time on TV, buddy. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yikes! I, I know. I was like, I was thinking to myself when I was watching that scene. I was like, I'd love to see that guy watching this twenty years later. I would just love to love to be in the same room with this guy. Like, that's yeah, you. Great. He's got grandkids that, now and shit. That's you? That's you, Ralph? <laughs> right. Wow. Impressive. He's probably, probably still proud of it. That was probably his shining moment in life. He's probably already <laughs> had the VHS and shown everybody a hundred times. Right. He's probably on the cover. Yeah, right. <laughs> so day one, day one rounded out with uh, corn, which that started to kind of turn the tides and make everybody well, nervous. All the, the, the minimal security. Let's talk about the security for a minute. Okay, okay. Got I mean, if you could call it security, it was basically they just... That was the one thing that they tried to... They, they, there was these little sprinklings of like trying to do it the way they did it in the original Woodstock. They didn't want this vibe of like a bunch of big hooked out uh, security guys with guns on their hip. They yeah. brought in a bunch of teenagers, paid them 500 bucks each, gave them no training, no no sort of defense, no weapons or anything like that. Gave them a fucking yellow shirt and were like, all right, go in there. And they were 18-year-old yeah. kids who basically half no. of them just turned into the crowd. They were taking their shirts off and like, fuck this thing. Like, yeah. Why right? beat them? Why you can't if you can't beat them, join them. Well, they had no they had nothing on them. They like, were ill-equipped. Yeah, when you when you sign up to work security, sign up. I mm-hmm. mean, like you said, it's just they basically give you a shirt. It's like, how tall yeah. are you? Yeah, yeah, you look good. Here, have a shirt. Five hundred. Here's five hundred bucks. Yep. Yeah, they probably didn't even know their names. They don't. Yeah, give a the fuck. one kid was talking about how he sold his he sold he had an extra shirt and he sold his shirt on his back for four hundred <laughs> bucks to someone because he was lying to him and telling him all these things that it gets you all get you backstage and all this shit. Yeah. All right, I got four hundred bucks. <laughs> I got another shirt in my backpack. What do I care? <laughs> That's the security that was working these 200,000 oh people 
right. trying to. I, I'm truly amazed that none of the artists got seriously hurt. I really Me am. Too. Like it was well, so dangerous for them, especially like the the situation that Fatboy Slim got in, where the crowd that was like the point where the crowd was at the peak, like angry rage and like yeah uns, unsettled, and like he goes on, and then they cut his set midway through because of the van driving through, which we'll talk about all this. But and like they got mad the fact that that stage didn't get stormed and he didn't get like ripped apart is pretty crazy. Like because they kept showing the the line of security that was like like. Protect, protecting the stage and it was like eight guys and you yeah, have this massive sea of people yeah they could get overrun so easily yeah. but I, I would imagine that a lot of these big headlining acts they showed up with their own security i hope right I they had hope. their own they had their own bodyguards at least yeah. I, I would ain't no way i'm going somewhere with two hundred fifty thousand people and not bringing some armed people of my own yeah, you know like, what, people, some of the crowd probably would have got shot if they did that, because then you're right, I bet you the private security for these massive artists would have came on and at all at yeah. all costs protected their artist. Yeah, and bro. you know James, they were probably packing heat. Yeah, James Brown showed up with an entourage, bro. Let's <laughs> oh, yeah. not get you, it twisted. You ain't getting to like, him, dude. No. So, I mean, and, and it's the same way with a lot of these. Metallica, Rage Against the Machine, Limp Biscuit, Lannis Morissette. Like these people came, they were okay. They were yeah. they were protected, and they were treated like royalty. Yeah, um, you know, at the event itself, which we, which we talked about a little bit already. It's so funny. Uh, I popped on Mad Max Fury Road earlier in the day yesterday before I watched this docu series. Yeah, and I was it was like the the similarities you had in the beginning. You have I, I forget what the bad guy's name. You know, the creepy looking guy in Mad Max Fury Road who's up yeah. there at the top of this cliff and he's like dumping water on the crowd, like a little splash for them. And they're all yeah. fighting over like a glass of water. And then I'm watching yeah. this and I'm like, this is the same shit. You have it's this massive thing. wall on one side. You have the artists walking around living like Kings on the other side yeah. of the wall. You have people leaning against that wall, trying to get a little tiny bit of shade. They're all fucking dehydrated. They can't yeah. get any water. And then they're breaking water pipes to try and get any water, which meanwhile we find out it's contaminated later. No wonder these people were so fucking angry. You know, I know. They had a right to be. There was no relief. There yeah. was no relief there. So corn, there were some artists that didn't help the cause, but what did you expect? That This is the side I'm on where uh, there was this, the main security guy that was interviewed in this. He, he, mm -hmm. he saw how poorly this was planned and then the bookings that they did. And it's like, you can't be mad at corn or Fred Durst for being who they are. You knew what you were signing up for. Yep. They're going to rile up a crowd even more. That's their job. That's what they That's do. That's their job. That's yes. what you paid them to do. Yes. You paid them to put on one of their shows. Well, that's what yep. they did. Yeah. They came and put on one of their they're shows. They're in an like, angry style of music. Their crowd, their it. their fans are angry, and their job is to get them riled up. And that's what Corn did on the end of day one was yep. just tear the roof off the place and get the crowd going. It seemed like they put on a hell of a performance, dude. Like you gotta they hand did. it to them for what they do, whether you're into the music or not, they put it all on the stage. Dude, I loved Corn. Yeah. Early 2000s. Yeah, they have some great songs. Fucking freak on a leash. Yeah, yeah, it's some badass shit. But then Bush had to follow them. Yeah, uh, poor Gavin Rosdale night. with his British accent comes on, and he's got to follow Corn after they just like right. made the crowd go insane. But you know what? From the footage okay. I saw, he did a good job. Like, it, yeah. I mean, obviously he's a, he's a top notch musician. He knows how to. He brought the. There was this dichotomy where you'd have one performer come on, and maybe it part of the issue was the the lineup as far as like you should have put certain artists before others. You should have had corn yes. finish. You can't have corn go on and then have Bush go on after. You got to have Bush then corn. Well, see, the crowd just was there to see the angrier 
you, prefer, you want them to finish out the night, you know? No doubt, no doubt. But it was day one. It was day one, so they, yeah. they weren't able to gauge the crowd. But honestly, if these if these um, producers of the thing, we're talking about Michael Lang and, and John, what was his name, Sure, John Sure, yeah. If, if these guys had any clue about these acts, that would have helped a lot. Or if they just fucking opened up, <laughs> that their is a mind good point. That listened. is a good point. Like, they were literally looking at uh, like uh, record sales, right? And they were going, yeah. "Well, this corny band, like corn, is that what it is? <laughs> they got an R backwards. Corn? I don't know. I'm confused. Um, they a sell a lot of records. I, I think we should just get them. I mean, we're trying to make money here, right? <laughs> Who is this guy? Uh, Limp yeah. Cookie? Uh, Limp <laughs> Why well, we'll put this guy on here? He does it all for the cookie or something? I understand, right? Yeah, that'll mm-hmm. probably be fun. Yeah. yeah, it's like your your sheer ignorance. And Michael Lang yeah. started that. He was like, yeah, most of these bands, I had no idea who they were. Well, there's mm-hmm. no, mistake number one. Yep. Mistake number one. You don't invite ICP, fucking Corn, and like all these bands, you don't even know who they are. That's, yep. yeah, you fucked up big time. Yep. Insane. Mm. Yep. And so, yeah, they, they the night one closes out with Bush kind of bringing the tone of the crowd down a little bit. I'm surprised he didn't get, you know, Gavin... Uh, Rosdell didn't get ripped off the stage and torn apart by the crowd oh, after Corn freaking came on and just got them all riled up. But he was able to bring the tone down a bit. Day one ended, and like we said, day one went about as well as it could considering the circumstances. But things were only going to build from there because they, yep. the amenities, day two, by the next morning, you could see the extent of the poor planning. There was trash that you had to walk through a foot of to get uh, to get anywhere all over the tarmac and yes. by then people had already probably spent most of the money that they had brought with them because everything was so expensive mm-hmm. and now they're living uh, basically like they're in a third world third world country at that point right there were people like you know laying in trash with signs that said you know need water or whatever <laughs> like can you spare water can you like food want water want drugs whatever you know what I'm saying like by day one, it's like I get, like day three. Yeah, I could see like maybe you made some bad decisions. You're kind of burnt out. You lost everything. Worst case scenario, you have to go home, right? But yeah, in day one, it, there was nowhere. There was hardly anywhere to lay on the ground. Good luck making like a campsite, laying out a blanket or something. There was you. You would have to move trash just to just to move. It was insane, especially near the stages. So day two, it's. They're living basically in utter filth. There's the the irrigation issues which are going on. By now, a pipe has been broken, and they've got a, a mudslide near the uh, the section of porta potties, which is clearly mixed with shit. And it, as it turns out, the water that was coming out of the pipe was mixed with shit to begin with. So it was just a big shit yeah. soup, if you will. And clearly, people did not know that. <clears throat> no, there's yeah, like you said, plenty of footage of people brushing their teeth with that water, drinking straight out of it. Uh, I think most mm. of the people were drinking that because, like we said, you, you got to go spend $4 for a bottle of water, and then the price was going up as the days went on and there was less and less people. They just yep. started charging whatever the fuck they wanted because they knew people would pay for it, and that's how shitty people get. Like, you got right. someone who's having a borderline heat stroke, they're dehydrated, they've been partying for three days, and you're going to double the cost of a water bottle for them. So, right. of course, people are just drinking talking- whatever with water they can find, and all of it at the venue coming from the irrigation and from the, the water lines was all cross contaminated with feces. Yep. So, and I would say that the majority of the guests were probably, probably under 20 years old. Mm-hmm. So they're not bringing huge amounts of money with them. 
they're not yeah they're not and oh we forgot to mention coming into the venue you they took all water away from everyone you weren't allowed to bring any water in oh yes that was some fucked up shit right pure evil right they took they took their food and their water. You couldn't even bring water. Meanwhile, everyone like, brought as many drugs in as they wanted. <laughs> they didn't seem to do any oh, regulating yeah. of that. There was ha- ecstasy being handed out by everyone. There was dudes with giant uh, buds of pot just like bragging about it and like selling weed just yeah. in the, right out in the open. Yeah, no big deal. They could bring in a whole backpack filled with different drugs, but they couldn't bring in one little bottle of water. That was confiscated because although of, I was, course, of course they're charging. Although I was you got to make money off that. Although I was looking at some of those nugs that they were holding up, it looks like some garbage weed, bro. In '99, yeah, <laughs> they were probably like, "Look at this, get some of this Primo, bro." Right, <laughs> shit looks like a pine cone. It's man. all dried out. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's improved so much. Right. Like we're so spoiled now, the quality is is so much more consistent. I'd rather have that '69 weed where it was like fucking five bucks for a giant <laughs> sack, bro. And yeah, but you had to smoke the whole thing to get high. <laughs> well, that's fine for me. It probably wouldn't take me that much. So, um, early day two, we had Kid Rock uh, during the day put on yeah. a put on a show, get the crowd kind of riled up. But night two, American badass. Yeah, <laughs> he showed Perfect up in person. a fucking fur coat. Oh, this is also day two is when the heat's really kicked in. It was a hundred degrees. Yeah. we're talking uh, upstate New York, I believe, and it was still humid as fuck. Humid as fuck and a hundred degrees out, and people were just struggling already. Uh, early day two, mm-hmm. people were already really fighting the heat, and then you have you have Kid Rock, and this just shows you how well they were being treated in the performer area because he shows up wearing a fucking fur coat onto stage, you know, because he yeah. just came out of his air conditioned trailer, <laughs> so he's right. <laughs> he shows up in the fur but, coat, mean, strips it off, and puts on a show. I guess he had to do it though. I mean, it was kind of his whole thing at that time. He yeah. was like this, the pimp daddy, this, like rock and roll, rock and roll pimp, yeah, if you will. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like when when he debuted in the late nineties, mm-hmm. yeah, he had like this whole vibe. I remember was, around you know, this time, probably around ninety nine, when I was like twelve years old for Christmas, my parents got me a Kid Rock CD. Right on. I, I remember that. Was vividly. it the one? Was it the one where he's standing in like red neon? Yes. And it says like, "Dude, I love I I love that album. Yeah. I wore that album out yeah, when I was a kid." That's what I'm saying. All these artists, dude, Straight. I was big into, I and mean, it was the '90s. They, you, you didn't have as many All options. All the headliners, you didn't, yeah. yeah. You didn't have Apple Music. You could just go find new artists or Spotify. It was like you were <laughs> given what you were given. <laughs> you know? Yep. And, yep. And that was that. Like I, I, my first CD that I ever had was Godsmack. That was like the first CD I bought with my own money. The one with the the, yeah. the pale chick on the front, like the goth chick or whatever. Yep. That was my yep. first, and we would we would mosh in my buddy's garage to it, you know, we could be shoulder checking each other in there, and <laughs> and then it was System of a Down, Toxicity. I'm surprised System of a Down didn't oh, play this one, probably because they were very too. much against the corporatized bullshit, and they they might have seen through the masquerade. Most of their songs I, were about that shit, you know, about corporate. And honestly, greed. I think you would, I think you might be surprised at how young Godsmack was in '99. I don't think they were really. I mean, not Godsmack. Uh, who'd you say? System again? of a Down. Sorry. System of a Down, right. I, I don't think System of a Down was really hitting on all They were very close if they weren't. They were very close. I was, they, I was super into them in middle school, and that would have been the early 2000s. Speaking of artists that were just getting their start then, we were looking at the list earlier, and we noticed uh, Muse mm. was on the list, yeah. which was as an emerging artist. I didn't even know they were together like they, as a band in 99, dude. That's so crazy, because right? they didn't really hit and get all over the radio until like 2010, something like that. Yeah. They were nobodies yeah. uh, in 99, basically. They were playing the emerging artist stage, which mm. is pretty crazy. Yeah. 
pretty crazy. Same thing with Fatboy Slim. Technically, he was on the emerging artist stage at that time, too. Yeah. So, rounding out day two, the headliner for day two was Limp Biscuit, And we could talk for oh 30 minutes God. just about that. <laughs> Fred. Bro, you get what Fred you get Durst. when you... You when you when you book Limp Biscuit, you there this there, you're gonna get Limp Biscuit. What do you want? Bro, it's like you can't knock him for not being genuine. He was always himself. Yeah. I mean, show me one interview where he was not himself. I mean, that motherfucker was just he was, he was just very on brand all the fuck. time. He just didn't give a fuck. And like what so many of the people in the audience said, they're like, he's like us. You know, he wears DC shirts mm-hmm. and backwards hats. He's yeah. not a rock star. He just don't give a fuck. Right. And Meanwhile, yeah, how much do you think DC was whole... paying him to wear those hats all the time? Just like they're paying Rob Deerdeck a fucking boatload of money to wear their shit constantly. Oh, I know. I'm sure they were. You know, I it's don't like, know. He's not, he's not a fucking corporate sellout. Meanwhile, it's like he's wearing DC shit all the time. You know he was taking massive checks from DC. Yeah, he probably was. 100%. He probably was. Yeah. 100%. It fit the style. Like, it just fit his style. At the man, very you know? least, they were sending him like truckloads of shit. Like, if they weren't sending him massive checks of cash, they were probably both. Yeah. But can you but can you blame Fred at that point? No, I mean, no, no, no. You but know, it's already stuff I'm just saying, to the wear, hypocrisy. Like, the hypocrisy. Like, everyone loves him because he's not a corporate sellout, because he's not, like, in sync and all this shit. But it's like, he's still taking massive checks from corporate entities, dude. He's still on MTV, too, as well. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. he's still, like, yeah. how did you think you found him? He is a sellout yeah. at the same time. He's not just playing some little fucking bar, hole-in-the-wall place, and saying, fuck the man, I'm not going to take any checks from them. Like... Right. He just said the things you guys liked. He said the right things, but what he was his actions were still taking massive checks from from huge companies. Yeah. And it's where he's where he's from too. Like he's from very low was he from like the Bronx areas. or something like that. No, he's born in Jacksonville, but he was actually raised in North Carolina. Well, he always had the Yankees hat on, right? And I always thought he was like a New yeah. York guy for whatever reason. No, it, it was just Yankees hats were popular then, dude. You yeah. had Jay-Z and just everybody was making Yankees hats popular. And his music videos, then, he's like walking around the streets in New York, though, with the big New York puffy jacket, you know, the big, like it's cold yeah. outside jacket. That might be where his studio was or whatever. But yeah, no, nah, he was born in Florida. And then, like I say, was raised in North Carolina. No shit. Went to high school in North Carolina and everything. Yeah. So, but, but very low income areas yeah. for sure. Very low. In- he, he was a, he, uh, it makes sense when I, when I know where he was raised, I know that I know the town he was raised in and yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I'm like, yeah. So day, that's, that's a product of this town. Day two <laughs> when, uh, during the set, uh, Limp Bizkit, you could sense it, you get the vibe starts to change and people start getting concerned that are working the venue, the sound tower, mm-hmm. which was in the middle, the worst placed thing. Like the guys, mm-hmm. there was there was like ten people in the sound this sound tower, which was right in the middle of the crowd. They were on an island basically with this ruckus right. crowd, and you have Fred Durst on stage playing a song called "Break Stuff," where he's talking about fuck everything and break shit because it makes you feel good and all that stuff. And yeah. these guys are up in this tower looking down like, oh shit, <laughs> this is not good. <laughs> <laughs> this is not, not us. Good. Not us. You know we're controlling the sound, right? Break you know anything else, no please. Break anything but about this, this tower. <laughs> They actually had to evacuate these guys in this town. They had to do like a a literally a military evacuation. They had to force the people up at the front of the stage had to force their way through the crowd and get those people in the tower out of there because they they could see the writing on the wall that people were starting to climb up into it and they were seriously at risk. Yeah. Which is insane. And I know you were like, that's a terrible place to put it, but I mean like that's where it has to to go, right? You have to be in the middle of the crowd Mm -hmm. in order to control the sound. Like if you don't know what it sounds like in the middle of the crowd, 
what are you doing? Fair enough. So they have to, they had to be out there, but yeah. But it had to be secured more it. than it was. Like they, it should have been a yeah. building. They should have put in an actual build, like brick building or something there. I don't know. Something that Oof. couldn't burn, yeah. that was sturdy, that you couldn't get into. Yeah. Just yeah. a cinder block and yeah. <laughs> build. Should have been like a little mini prison. That, uh, <laughs> yeah. With a bulletproof glass window for yes. them to look out. Right. <laughs> it's a shame that they even had to consider that though. Yeah. Like, would you really think a peace and love concert would need this? Yeah, you know, well, I mean, I would if I'd have saw the axe, I'd have been like, "This is not a peace and love." Yeah, concert. I was gonna say, yeah, this is a smash your face concert, so yep. you might want to put some strong things on the ground. Yeah. So yeah, Fred Durst did his thing. He got the the crowd even angrier. That's his job once again. Yep. You can't be mad at him for even the head security guy at the venue said the same thing. He said, "You can't be mad at you know Limp Biscuit for doing Limp Biscuit's thing. You guys hired them to do that." Yep. So yep, you would have been mad if he didn't show up and do that. Right. You know, been like, well, what is this? What is the, this? You know what? Cheap ass show. You put there's on? an argument to be made that the crowd would have been more mad had he not done that. Had there he gone up there and tried to say some alternate message, they would have been like, "Fuck Fred Durst, yeah. this whole thing's a sham." Yep. And they might have burnt the place yep. down the down the day two rather than day three. Yep, he's a fucking sellout too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I could see that happening. Yeah. No doubt. Uh, so are we into day three? No, actually, day two, I forgot Fatboy Slim. The whole fiasco with Fatboy Slim show, he was later into the night. He actually closed yes. out night two, Fatboy Slim. And that's when things started getting real scary. Um, so during Fatboy Slim's show, he's up there. He's loving it. He said he loves the he loves the, the craziness. Chaos. He wants to be in the middle of the chaos. That's what he said. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, he's he's doing his thing, performing for this crazy crowd. And at this point, the crowd has gone from... It seemed like it was more angry during Limp Bizkit, but then it got more sexualized during because he's more of a you know electronica. He's a DJ, one of the early Rave really popular style. DJ guys. Yeah, he's standing up there with the yeah. headphones on and doing his thing. And at this point, everybody's handing out ecstasy. There's people fucking in the crowd left and right. The, what the one guy said, he said at one point he saw a wall like against a wall, a row of people with their backs turned, with people behind them. And he said, "You can use whatever yeah. biblical term you want for what they were doing." But basically, <laughs> it was like an orgy going on. Right. Um, and during yeah, that was in the uh, that was in one of the overnight raves, I think. Yeah. And so during during Fatboy Slim's show, it's going well. He's in about the middle of his set things turn because they see these lights in the crowd heading toward the stage and it turns out that a vehicle a van had been commandeered and was being driven by someone who was incapacitated they were so fucked up through a crowd Mm -hmm. you can imagine how dangerous this is thankfully this person was going like one or two miles an hour and didn't just floor it through a crowd of people but oh it could have God. easily happened, as messed up as this person was. And there no was doubt. people on top of the van dancing. And so Fatboy Slim has to cut his set short, which makes the crowd even angrier. He's trying to explain to them, it's not my fault. You know, I want to keep playing, but I can't. They're telling me I have to stop. And when yeah. they finally get inside the van, they realize there's a what, like a 13-year-old girl, an underage girl in the floorboard of the passenger seat, uh, undressed, clearly had been... Passed out. Yeah, clearly had been taken advantage of. Um, mm-hmm. and things are getting real dark at this festival at this point. And that's how night yes. two ends. And you can imagine the whole the whole tarmac and everything where this thing is being held, this whole venue is just getting nastier by the minute. You know, there's more and more filth, trash. The, we forgot to mention the reason there's so much trash is because the sanitation department had been, they'd had budget cuts and they had to do like vendors. They had to do like second second party vendors who were not doing their jobs. They hired like some 
whatever second rate trash companies to come out there and they weren't even doing anything. Well, but because they agreed on, you know, an amount of service and then they paid for the, for the trash service and the food services and all this because they jobbed it out. Right. But you get what you pay for. Yeah. And if you didn't pay for enough for 250,000 people, then they're not just going to be like, Oh, well let us just bring more amenities. Mm -hmm. Even though you didn't pay for it. It's like, Well, no, they're only going to do what you paid for. Mm-hmm. You didn't pay for enough. That's your problem. Like you can't even blame these third party people for coming in and doing what they had to do. Yeah. The amount they got, they probably got paid. They probably got, you know, stiffed. They got given a oh very small and amount of money. Damage. And then you're dealing with a massive place with 200,000 people and trash everywhere. And it's like, no, right. You didn't pay me for this. Exactly. And you're and you're serving a bunch of entitled people who feel like, you know, we paid money to be here, yeah. blah, 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 and this and that. Yeah, because there was the one lady then, that was going around with trash bags trying to get people to clean up. And they're like, fuck you. I paid $150 to be here. You clean up. <laughs> <laughs> you clean up. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And that's how it should be. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the trash should be accounted for. That, But that cut into their profit margin, dude. They didn't. They yeah. didn't care if people were suffering and having a miserable existence while they were there. They were raking in cash. With each dollar that yep. they, you know, didn't spend on things like trash and proper uh, hydration for the for the people that are tending and food and all that affordable food, like they just truly didn't yep. care. And the people could feel that. The people knew that they were being taken advantage of, and the people showed it as the Absolutely. festival progressed through the days. It just got more and more intense. And by day three, they had Willie Nelson open, <laughs> which is just so bizarre. I know. With a hymn. Yeah. With a hymn yeah. above all else. Yeah. What do you sing? Amazing Grace yeah. or some shit? Yeah. I'm like, eh. wow, you're bringing out. I, I, I thought it was a tactic, right, to calm everybody down. Yeah. But I guess it was planned from the beginning as kind of like their Sunday morning ritual. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that didn't. That was awkward. Yeah. That was, that was awkward as well as like they had, didn't they have like a monk tent? Uh, yeah, they had Tibetan monks uh, on like basically somewhere in some tent at, at this place, which is so, yeah. it's the, the bizarrity like of the, the, the different worlds that are going on all in this one location. You got these monks right? in the, the tent contrast. while people are on ecstasy fucking right outside of the tent probably. <laughs> and then they're swimming in shit outside of that. <laughs> like, yeah, dude, the contrast was insane. Yeah. But you know what's crazy? You know what really baffled me was like Willie Nelson in 99. He looks exactly like he does now. He hasn't aged in... I mean, he still looks old as shit in 99, but he doesn't look any older in 2022. Yeah, like Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito's got that thing going on. He's looked the same for 30 years. He's looked old as shit for 30 years. Yeah, yeah, like Harrison Ford. Yeah. He's looked old since he was in his 20s. Now he just looks normal. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Oh, man. Yeah, so day three... In the morning, you have Willie Nelson playing, and as he's playing, you have kind of a mech, uh, mass exodus. The crowd was cut down significantly. I'd say they probably lost like twenty five percent. They're down to yeah. They're down from two fifty to probably a little under two hundred thousand at this point. Yeah. And it's ironic because as he's playing on the road again up on stage, you see these cars of people fleeing, saying, "You know, it, it's basically like a third world country in there. I'm tired of it. It's, yeah, it's, it's so filthy, and it's there's garbage. nothing. To, yeah, there's no water, and I'm, I'm out of here." All the smart people yeah. left and all the crazy fucks were, were left, which ultimately was probably worse because now you, you have a smaller crowd, but it's all the craziest motherfuckers left, you know? Right. The ones that are willing to eat, stay through this just absolute and, terrible circumstances. Well, it's also important to note at this point that there were rumors going around that there was going to be a big surprise <sighs> at the end of the festival. 
doesn't it make you wonder whether these guys were like evil geniuses and they were trying to intentionally cause mayhem? Because I know right? it's like every you look at all their actions, all their decisions, the lineup, and then doing things like this, le- intentionally leaking this concept that there was going to be this big headliner that no one knew about that wasn't on the announcements for the sh- for the uh, for the festival. Yep. They were putting out these rumors intentionally, getting the crowd more hyped up for something that they knew wasn't going to happen. Indeed. Indeed. So yeah. it made three quarters of the crowd stick around. So mm-hmm. it was pretty brilliant, I guess, because that's just that much more money you made. You made a whole day of money. And- well, businessmen make money at, at the expense of others, and they could care less about that as long as they make more money. Exactly. So you had uh, Willie Nelson opening up. You had Jewel in the afternoon. And she she said it was a very weird energy. It was unlike any show she's ever played. And you could see it like there was footage of her on stage. And it's just like the crowd is just not feeling her act at the moment. You know, she's an amazing artist, but it was not the right crowd for her at this stage. And day three of this festival where everybody's fucking hungover, dehydrated, angry at the circumstances. And then she's up there singing her beautiful songs with an acoustic guitar. And it just didn't blend well. And so she did no, her set and got no. the fuck out of there. Took her check and Smart. bounced. And these artists, like some of their 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 teams of people were like, let's get out of here now. Get on the bus. We yep. got bad vibes at this place. There's no need to stick around. Let's get you to safety. Yep. Um, and then day three, you had the headliner, the Red Hot Chili Peppers up on stage. Uh, and you had Flea, fully nude, playing bass. Fully nude. Fully nude. Just only the bass guitar <laughs> blocking his dick most of the time, but plenty of shots of him jumping around with his schlong flopping around. <laughs> Which was fitting because half the crowd He's was naked insane, at this point dude. as well. So, Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you're the headliner and you're one of the biggest rock stars in the world in 99. It's like, fuck it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And had to do something crazy. I guess their their big thing that they, they should have been putting out more accurate rumors because everyone was thinking there was going to be this big headliner following the Chili Peppers. There was nothing planned for after them as far as an artist goes. But what they did have in store was the dumbest idea I've ever heard, unless you are intentionally trying to cause chaos, uh-huh. especially when you've seen how the first two and a half days of this thing have gone. You maybe should have just canceled this whole idea, but instead they they went forth with it. Even after warnings from the fire marshal on site, they went ahead and handed out 100,000 candles to the crowd. There you go. With some matches or lighters, I suppose, to light them. They had to have a means to light them. Oh, dude, don't play. Everyone there had a lighter. Yeah. And this was because (laughs) earlier that year, Columbine, the Columbine shooting had happened, and this was supposed to be a, a candlelight vigil. During the song, the the song from the Chili Peppers, "Under the Bridge," which is a kind of a lower, you know, a, a lower t- tone vibe. It's kind of a right, right. Uh, you know, it's a, I get you. It's yeah, like, kind of a sadder song. Going. Right. And and it, it it was actually beautiful initially, right? You had everybody that was there was like, we've never seen anything like it. You picture a hundred thousand candles at once burning during a song yeah. like "Under the Bridge." And then uh, you start seeing fires pop up. You see one massive fire at the back of the crowd. And from there, it just became like a war zone. Fires everywhere. Uh, The crowd angrily throwing more and more tables and chairs and whatever they could find into the fire, just making it into the most massive bonfires you've ever seen. And it only got worse as they realized that there was no band coming on after the Chili Peppers. And actually, the organizers came up to, uh, I forget, who's the front man for the Chili Peppers? 
um, Anthony Kiedis. Anthony Kiedis. They went up to Kiedis and said, you got to go out there and do an encore and try to settle this crowd down. And he's like, why yeah. is it, once again, why is this my fucking problem? <laughs> like, right. I did my job. Why? You, because you guys poorly planned this thing and handed out fires to everyone. I got to go try and put right. this fire out. So what does he do? They go out there and they play a Jimi Hendrix cover, Fire. <laughs> of fire. About fire. Uh, let me stand like next to your fire. Which yes, very on brand for an artist to go out there and just side with the crowd and get them even more riled up and, and basically tell them essentially through uh, a song to go ahead and light more fires. Right. And this is the second time in the festival where a song fit the situation yes. too well yeah. negatively. Like the first time being Limp Biscuits break shit, right? Mm -hmm. While the crowd is already tearing shit apart. And then you play break shit. Right. Yeah. Great idea. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> And then this one, right? There's fire showing up everywhere. And then you play a song, Let Me Stand By Your Fire. Yeah. And they do it with gusto, too. Yeah. It's not like they're embarrassed, like, oh, I wish we would have planned something else. They're no. like, nah, let me stand by your fire. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, it just fed it fed the fire, for lack yeah. of a better term. How is the crowd at this point not being shown confirmation for everything they do? You know, think about being in their shoes where it's like, you're you're kind of expected to not break everything and tear things down at a at a concert venue typically but then you're 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 there you're being starved and dehydrated and overpay overcharged for every single thing there's no shade and it's 100 degrees out and clearly the venue doesn't give a fuck about you and then you have Limbiscuit up there telling you to break shit and then the next yeah. day you have you're handed candles with fires and then you're told let me stand next to your fire so it's like everything that they're doing is just confirmed like yes keep going keep going make it worse yeah, this is great exactly and there's no security exactly. and what little security there is is switching to your side taking off their shirts and just jumping in on the madness <laughs> it's like we're Can't doing the right things them, right? here yeah and they probably they already got their 500 dollars. they're spending it there at the damn festival yep at this point the the fires are bursting up everywhere uh the mtv uh, cast is fleeing. They're they're getting the fuck out of there. You're seeing their live broadcast and like yep. I think we should get out of here. This thing is getting a little too crazy. Your bombs are going off because tr they had trailers filled with gasoline and things like that that caught fire. Yep. And those start exploding. So now you're literally in a war zone. There's explosions going on, massive fires everywhere. The speaker tower that we talked about earlier that was torn down. It was eventually like enough people got on it that they they were able to topple that thing over. Um. Yep. And there's, they're, they're getting there. What few journalists were brave enough to stick around and go in there and get interviews from people got quotes like they're all about making money off of us and we're fucking pissed. Um, mm. And, and yeah. then they start the crowd starts then heading towards the vendor, uh, the vendor village where uh -oh. the, where the big money stuff is. There's, you know, tons of albums and, and basically only uh, the elites were allowed into this prior. But they right. they start heading like like zombies towards different locations all at once and then you know the the organizers are like we got to get the fuck out of here they take over the vendor village they start taking up whatever they all, all the different goods that they could um yeah, valuable they're like smashing atms yeah at one point smashing somebody ATMs. somebody yells out atm and then they just all swarm on the atms and start bashing those <laughs> trying to get money out of them um as we Chaos. mentioned the trailers with gasoline are exploding yeah. Just absolute there's, and utter there's mayhem. Stealing merchandise, stealing merchandise from bands and yep. everything else, dude. Yep. Just absolute chaos. Absolute chaos, mayhem, until the state troopers show up. And uh -oh. finally, the security gets a little help, and state troopers show up like stormtroopers, all geared up in their riot gear. Mm -hmm. They got their long batons, and they're just whacking people left and right, breaking up the party, and, uh, and things finally 
settle down and come to an end. But by the next morning, there's footage of people driving around and I would say war zone almost doesn't even describe it. It's like the worst battle, like war zone you could imagine. Cars are upside down. There's, you know, smoldering, uh, trailers and just tr then the trash is everywhere still. And it's just like, you can't mm -hmm. even imagine. Can't it's even imagine. like almost every vehicle that was used was burnt. Yeah. Just absolutely set ablaze mm -hmm. and nothing but a shell. It's amazing that nobody died. Like, did you ever? I didn't hear of any deaths. Did really? You? I didn't did look. You? I didn't like. Let's let's look that up because they didn't mention it in the. They did they mention, mention the follow. They mentioned the following days after this festival. Obviously, this thing got worldwide news coverage. How it how it happened, right. and they started. The organizers started getting calls from mothers of underage girls that were reporting that their daughters had been raped. And, right, you know, all kinds of horrific things like that. Clearly, many women had been assaulted during this. There's footage, endless footage of women being groped and, and they yes. get thrown up to do. I don't even know if they were willingly crowd surfing or if they were being lifted and thrown up to crowd surf. And then they were just being groped by every fucking guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was kind of hard to tell. Yeah. Absolute chaos. But yeah, check and see if there's any deaths. Yeah. Yet. Because like I said, if there was, they glazed over it. So, oh no. Three people. Three people died during the festival. Two people died from drug overdose and one from being run over by the driver of a tractor who did not notice the man sleeping under a sleeping bag. Holy oh shit. God. So they stole a tractor and ran a guy over. But oh like you said, though, God. I'm still amazed that only three people died. That seems really low. When you look, at, when you see the footage of this absolute chaos, like towers being yeah, tipped over. I couldn't believe no one died when that fucking that, tower went over. That thing was massive. That's what I was going to say. I thought there was a guy on top. On no, top. <laughs> there were people on top. Yeah. I swear to God there were. Yeah. And when that thing fell over, I'm like, how does that guy not die? Right. Like that's a, that's a 40 foot drop yeah. or so. Yeah. I can only like, imagine how many tons that thing weighed. That thing was a massive but, structure. Maybe as it fell, you know, people caught it kind of like as a crowd and it broke the fall. No, it know. hit the ground hard. You could see it in the video. <laughs> There's no way. I don't know, man. Yeah. I don't know how somebody on that tower would have survived that fall. But maybe yeah. they just got really bad injured. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Insanity. Crazy. Insanity. Did you ever have any, how many music festivals have you gone to? Because I, I can say for sure that I've, I went to a few music festivals in the 90s and they definitely, definitely had this dark vibe to them. Uh, I went to um, Extreme Thing, which was held yearly during the early 2000s at Desert Breeze Park in, in Vegas. And it was massive. Like, it, I mean, obviously nowhere near the the scale of Woodstock, but there was thousands of people there and there was massive yeah. bands that played it every year, like system of a down and things like that. Yeah. And there was, I went to it several years and they, we would regularly, there would be massive brawls and, and tear gas thrown into the crowd. There was one year. I'll never forget this, where these, this group of skinheads took over the crowd and they took over the mosh pit and they were basically standing in the middle of the mosh pit and just fucking up anybody that walked in, they would jump them and beat the shit out of them. And there was like five or six of these massive fucking skinhead dudes and they were scary as shit. And like, it, it, there was a couple of guys that were brave enough to go in there and take them on, but no one backed them up. And then they would just get beat down by these guys. Mm. It was super messed up. Damn. No, I, I don't have any experiences like that, dude. But like, the I 90s were the, grow up in Vegas. The so, 90s was the know, era guys, of this, the just angry music, man. Right. 
But I mean, Vegas is also a, like a festival central. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. There's always festivals going on. There's always all these opportunities. Whereas like, you know, I've been to some concerts, been to different venues, uh, stand-up only venues that were really tight and things kind of felt like, ooh, you don't want to fall down in here. You know what I'm saying? Like you're yeah. going to get trampled. But other than that, I never had nothing. I never experienced anything that was like Woodstock where I felt like I was really in fear for my life. I always felt like, yeah, if this got crazy, I could leave. You know, like uh, I've been to a few outdoor venues. Like uh, Charlotte has, I can't remember what it's called right now. It used to be called Verizon Wireless Amphitheater. And it's yeah. a great venue to go see go see concerts because it's outdoor. And then, you know, the, like the, the grounds go up as you go and you can get like lawn tickets and you kind of like have your space and whatnot. Um, but it's it's way more controlled. It's not just open and standing area everywhere. But yeah, no, nah, man, I ain't never. That that's not my scene, man. I I would not be having fun at a festival like that. I would not be having fun at all. Uh, even day one, I would have been like, mm, nope, time to go. This is not good, well, man. I, I pay attention to my intuition. I'm dipping. Even when you were like 17, though. See, like I was like 17 at the time, and I loved it. It was amazing. I think I was, even we more were my, so. Me and my buddy were in the mosh pit. We were like, I remember us coming out with like like teeth marks on our elbows and stuff. Like just in the, we were bigger yeah. dudes, like football players, and a lot of the people that attend concerts all the time are like smaller, skinny people, and like we were in there just like going crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel you. Yeah. That was, yeah, I don't know. I, I think even at 17, I still don't think it would have been... Not your thing. It would have been something I really enjoyed. Yeah, yeah, not so much. Not so much. I enjoy rocking out. I enjoy playing music. I like being on stage, but being in mosh pits and shit, not Dude, thanks, the man. footage. The footage. Uh, what was it? What's his name? Jonathan whatever from uh, Slipknot, the, the head man. Yeah, yeah. He was talking about... like, And they, they showed the footage of him walking out on stage. Like, can you... He says, like, unlike better than any drug or anything you could oh ever. no that was that was the lead man of corn corn yeah yeah sorry jonathan whatever yeah. his name is yeah uh, fuck yep that i know it's not the intoxication that's why like you can't blame those acts you can't blame those acts for feeding off that energy when yeah. that is the energy that they feed off they of. had two hundred thousand people eating out of the palm of their hand i can only imagine the just the, the thrill and the adrenaline rush you get from that like right. every word you say like Fred Durst, he was just like, he was just, you could, the, I loved how the guy described it, how his like egos were battling with each other. It's like, don't say it, yeah. Fred. And then he just says it. <laughs> don't do it, Fred. Don't do You could it. see it in don't his eyes. It. He's walking I'm around just drunk on the I'm fucking, drunk on the power of that, dude. <laughs> like he was like becoming Hitler in front of our eyes. It was insane. Like I said, you took a guy that came from nowhere, man, and yeah. gave him all that power. Yeah. He's going to fucking abuse that shit. Nuts. It's Absolutely. crazy. Absolutely insane. I hope you guys enjoyed. I was breaking down this this uh, crazy docuseries talking about Woodstock 99. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Yeah. Very well done. Netflix is not dead, man. I know there's a lot of competition, but they still put out amazing content on a regular basis. Like I wouldn't cancel my subscription. They still put out really good original shows, movies, documentaries like this. So... Yeah, yeah, they're hanging in there. Uh, it is a three-part docu-series, yeah. which I was unaware of. They're about 45 minutes a piece. Yeah. I thought it was going to be like, you know, hour and a half, one episode. Uh, but no, it's three episodes, one episode for each day, which is really yep. nice. Yeah, it's cool but, how they did but it. Still, but still, looking at this list, they left out so much. You know, like I would love to have seen the Rage Against the Machine Yeah, set, what happened with or, that, right? Because or the, the crowd was or DMX. DMX was there. Oh man, how, how did he? How did he deal with the crowd? You know, he had to have gotten them Seriously. fired up too. 
Um, exactly. But the, it is crazy that they left the Rage set out because that was, I think, the crowd identified with, with Rage's message more than anybody. And you could see that when they started heading to the vendor tents, they were literally chanting, uh, fuck you, we won't do what you tell me. Yeah, exactly. And so, I'm like, where was the Rage set? Maybe, maybe nothing... Maybe Rage just had a normal concert. Maybe all yeah. the the rage of the crowd was contained with them, and they kept it under control, and nothing crazy happened. But yeah. I just can't imagine that. I feel like if anybody wants to stick it to the man, it's fucking Rage Against the Machine. It's in the damn name. Yeah. <laughs> but right on, dude. I was I was really shocked when you sent me this case. Honestly, earlier this week, I was like, really Woodstock. So. The way that went down, shout out to my coworker, uh, Isaac. I doubt he, I don't think he's a patron. I don't think he listens to the podcast at all, but he was just, he, he watched this documentary and we were, we were, uh, sitting around at work near the end of the day and he was just going on, dude. He just like broke this whole thing down. He was like, he, he was made such a compelling case about, you know, how good this docuseries was. And he's like, dude, you gotta yeah. watch all this crazy shit happen. And I'm like, you know, fuck it. Let's just do this as an episode. It sounds crazy there enough. There we go. And so uh, I'll, I'll, I'll maybe I'll send him the episode and tell him to listen to it. So shout out Isaac for sure. Right on. Appreciate it, dude. Speaking of shout outs. Yes. Ready to get into some we shout owe, outs of some other patrons. We owe uh, many of you patrons. Uh, yes, sir. Of our, let's, of our festival here, the Festival of Patreon, right. a shout out. I say let's go all the way back to July 9th. Okay. You know, I think that let's should start with it. Josie Thompson. Yeah. All right, you want to start it off? Sure. All right, we'll go. Th- uh, thank you to everyone who signed up for Patreon, new and old patrons. Uh, obviously, the new ones get a shout out here. We got Josie Thompson, Heather Whitry, Lori Ordway, Lauren Birch, Stacy Stanley, Feather and Whimsy, Jen M, Nikki Howell, Maggie Lums- Lumsden, Carrie L, Stephanie Klinger, Adam Black, Paul or Ra- Raul uh, Marquez. Tammy Ecott, Brianna Allegra, and I'll let you take over. All right. Uh, also, a big thank you to Asia Fodi, uh, Diana Herrera, Melissa Bradbury, Susan Wheeler, Braden Hay, uh, Shauna Anderson, Lacey Hale, Andrew McIntyre, Julie Klosky, Cayman Freeman, uh, Alicia Delgadillo, Delgadillo. I think I got that Delgadillo. one. Delgadillo. Alicia Delgadillo. Uh, Adam Lapping, Robert Page, Amy, Shelly Jackson, uh, Silly Stone, Holly Macaris? Macaris? Macaris. Yeah. Holly Macaris. Uh, you want to finish it up? Casey Miller. There's a few more. Casey Miller, Jez, Shonda, Anna Sucks, and Aww. and Laura Heslin. Why do you suck, Anna? How, that can't be your yeah, last why name. You di- <laughs> that just can't be your last Maybe she thing, just Anna. likes just... wanted to get a double shout out. It's a good way to get it if you just are self-deprecating. Yeah, just put up a fun or just put up a funny name in right. general, like a like a Bart Simpson type of play. Yeah. Harry Balzania. Yeah. <laughs> right on, right. guys. So well, we appreciate it. You guys are the wheels of the podcast. Thank you guys. I hope you're enjoying all the content. Uh if you're on the two dollar tier, I hope you guys will consider the five dollar tier and well. Well, yeah, yeah, you would be hearing this on the two dollars. Yeah, but you're not gonna. But, uh, you wouldn't hear the just a banter that we're about to record right after this. That's right, that's right. Where we're gonna talk about some case suggestions that we should have done already. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. So that should be fun. Hundred percent. All right. All right, everybody. Thanks Anything for listening. Else? I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, and we'll see you next week for a freeloader episode. And if you're a five dollar tier member, we'll see you for just a banter as well. 
Yep, on Friday. All right, everybody, keep creeping. True crime guys, in the desert we like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us because you thought we was true crime garage. Now we ain't mad at you. Sit down, let us talk at you. I'm talking to the creeper army. We out here making murder, get murder, get murder. In the desert, we like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us, cause you thought we was true crime garage. Now we ain't mad at you. Sit down, let us talk at you. I'm talking to the creeper army. We out here making better charming. You hush your mouth, boy.